evidence and answers. You are tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Recently, Pat held his first ever Zoom apologetics conference entitled Truth, Finding Clarity in Confusing Times. Guest speakers included Kirby Anderson, Fazal Rana, Randy Manley, and our own Pat Zukran. Today on our show, we will be listening to our final question and answer session that was offered. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. First question here is, what about hermaphrodites, people who are born, you know, half male, half female? Is that a case to show that people are born transgender? No, not, not if you go strictly by the definition of, of uh, what transgender means. Transgender, strictly speaking, is a person who is born with the physical presentation of one gender or another, but wants to be or thinks that they are another gender. When you're born with different parts or different genetic makeup, that's, that's not a choice. That's a, that's a biological difficulty that needs medical attention. Yes. And you also have to take into account the fall, right? When sin entered into its, this world and its effect. And also, you know, hermaphrodites, how have we treated them? We've treated them very successfully. How? We don't say, well, you're half man, half woman. Whatever gender you feel like on Monday, that's what you are. And on Tuesday, if you feel like the other gender, okay, go be the other gender. What the medical profession does is as the person begins to develop, they, they see which side is more dominant. And then they do surgery so that that person, you know, ends up moving in the direction of either male or female. You know, that's the healthiest way that we treat this case of hermaphrodites. Uh, we have couple of Hollywood stars and athletes, you know, and others. And so that's how we treat the area of hermaphrodites there. Here's another one for you. Where does gender identity end? I'm a 50-year-old man. Can I go back to high school as a 16-year-old girl if I feel I'm a teenage girl? Randy, that's yours. <laughs> well, again, I mean, that, that goes back to what we were talking about with uh, our reasoning ability, right? I don't have the man's name in front of me, but just a few months ago, there was a man in Holland, and uh, he was, uh, I want to say he was like 69 years old, but he wanted to change his age on his birth certificate to say that he was 50, because that's how he felt. See, so if we come to a point in our society where what I feel like is what I am, well, Pandora's box has been opened, if, if, if that's what we allow. And I don't know how far you want to go with this, because we could get pretty sticky with it. But, but again, it's another demonstration that our reasoning, if we're not careful, and, and we, we don't think through the issues, it takes us down a very, very slippery slope. Yes. All right. Here's another question. She says, I have a gay daughter who is a Christian. She understands that the biblical stand on homosexuality but she feels trapped and that it's something she cannot control. I tell her over and over again that I love her, but I will not say it's okay. How can we as a Christian community draw people like my daughter back to the Lord? That is a great question, and it's a tough question because it's real. The first thing that we have to do is, again, 
uh, sympathize with the reality that the struggle is real. Uh, I have no doubt uh, uh, that this girl feels trapped, that she feels like uh, she's, she's stuck. That doesn't mean that she's doomed. Sometimes we put some of these different things on, a, on, on different levels of, in degrees. And the reality is that we all struggle with some kind of sin because we're sinners. We have a propensity toward different things. And some folks are going to have a propensity toward some of these, these sexual sins. And it may be a struggle for some time. It may be a struggle for life, frankly. But again, that doesn't negate the idea that God's best is for us to follow his plan, even when it's difficult. And so we need to support folks in this situation. We need to love them. We need to enfold them. We can't support their active practice of these things. But they, if, they're, if they have a propensity or a desire, that's something that they're struggling with, and we need to help them to um, abstain from those types of things. Very good. Next question. Since God made us in his image, surely a loving creator would not want his children to suffer from maladies such as blindness, deafness, etc. Using this premise, could it be that God has made a mistake with an individual's biological sex? That's the reason some individuals identify as the opposite sex. That's kind of similar to the one you just answered, but go ahead. Well, it's kind of loaded, too, from a bunch of different angles. Uh, you know, is it possible that God made a mistake? Well, if he did, he's not God. We can go off on that for a, a long way. But, but, but again, going to what you referred to earlier, Pat, the, the reality is we live in a sinful world. We are broken people. God didn't do that to us. We choose against him. Right? When, when Adam and Eve chose sin, when they chose to God their own life, it came with consequences. Love allows choices, but then it also allows the consequences of those choices to be lived out. Um, and so many times when we deal with these issues, choices are being made. And then when the consequences don't go the way that we uh, would want them to, we have a tendency to point our finger to God and say there's something wrong with him. Yes. And, you know, because of the fall and sin entering into the world, you know, we are feeling its effects. And many of us, like you said, you know, are born with certain tendencies. Some are healthy and some are unhealthy and tendencies that are unhealthy, what do we do? Well, we try to get you help so we can get you back into a healthy thinking and lifestyle. You know, for example, it's medically documented that if a mother is addicted to cocaine, she gives birth to children called cocaine babies who are addicted to cocaine. Well, in those situations, what do we do? You know, do we say, well, you're a cocaine baby. You can't help it. Here you go. Have some cocaine. All you want, man, go at it. No, we do everything we can to try and steer you into a healthy lifestyle as much as possible. Or, you know, I'm Okinawan. Okinawans are born hot-blooded, right? So is that okay then? I'm hot-blooded. I get into fights. I beat up my wife. Is that okay? You know, I'm, I'm born that way, you know? No, we do everything we can, you know, help you control your temper and steer you, you know, in a healthy, away from a dangerous lifestyle to a healthy lifestyle. Okay, how about this one? If a transgender man comes to church as a woman, how do I address this person as miss or mister? First of all, I, I, you know, you'd have to ask, well, are, are you sure they're transgender? 
yeah, maybe their makeup isn't the best that day or something, I guess. But um, <laughs> you meet them where they're at, I think. I don't think you're capitulating anything. Where that person is at right then, you meet them there. Again, sometimes we can make the secondary issue the main issue, and it's not the main. The main issue is, man, they're in church. <laughs> Bring them down. Sit them down. Thank them for coming. Love on them. Let them hear the message that God loves them and that he sent Jesus to die for them. And, you know, whatever pronoun you're using, I mean, is it, is it really that big of a deal when you're dealing with a person on, at that situation on their level? I, I think sometimes we make too big of an issue in a situation like that where, the, again, it's the secondary issue. We need to zero in on their heart. Yeah, that's a good approach. Uh-huh. Oh, this one. Is it fair to say that our younger generation has been misled into trying to find their identity in their sexuality? That is to say that the previous generation profiteered off of selling sex, sex sells and exploiting the natural higher libido of men and women that are coming of age. If I'm understanding the question, I would say, uh, yes, we, we, we have definitely contributed to this generation putting an overemphasis on their identity being their sex. I think one of the things too, I grew up in the church and, you know, many times growing up, man, there was never sexual issues talked about. And so as, as Christian folk, as a church, so many times in the past, anyway, we've strayed uh, away from talking about these issues and talking about our sexuality. And we haven't done ourselves any favors in that, in that way. Again, talking about it from a healthy perspective that our sexual person is, you know, God made us sexual creatures and that it's something beautiful and something to be enjoyed. And it, and it literally is something that can bring glory to God a great demonstration of giving to another person and fulfilling their needs and, and those types of things and, and encouraging our, well, men and women now, but I, I'm thinking especially of, of sometimes the way that we uh, allow women to be exploited by the way that, that, that we dress them or allow them to dress and not explaining to our young girls how they're a beautiful creature that God has made not for everybody to lust after and to, to sexually fawn after, but they are, they are beautiful creation that God has made to, to bring ultimately glory to himself. So a lot of it's the way we teach our kids. Uh, it's what we allow them to watch and see, you know, as uh, Kirby was talking yesterday about uh, the truth of media, how much time we allow our kids on their gadgets and all these different things. Yes, you know, the two strongest desires in people are what? Greed and sex. That's why the number one industry since the beginning of mankind, I guess, is what? Gambling and pornography, mm. right? And so people have exploited those two desires into billion dollar industry. These are the biggest industries and the most high tech websites of all are what? Gambling sites and pornography sites. All right. They're the most high tech around. So indeed, when you start deviating from God's moral law and you allow men to uncontrollably fulfill the desires for greed and lust, 
This is what we're going to get. And as technology increases, you know, as Kirby shared, you know, uh, there are greater ways to get pornographic or gambling institutes, you know, into the hands of more and more people. And so, yeah, it's going to continue to proliferate, you know, and it's not going to go away. It's, it's a billion dollar industry. I talked to got to be about 40% when I speak uh, to college groups, you know, the men especially, when I ask how many of you are addicted to pornography, about 40% of the hands go up. Uh, you know, I never used to see that 20, 30 years ago when I was speaking to college kids because they go to college and they got unlimited access to the internet, you know, and they're in their dorm rooms. They can see it as much as they want. So yeah, it proliferates and without strong moral gods, moral laws embedded in the hearts of our young people is just waiting to be exploited by uh, people in the world uh, out there. Let's see. Okay, here's another one. Based on testimonials from former gay, bisexual, trans individuals, does there seem to be a common cause? I'm going to deflect that. Pat, because I don't think I'm qualified on that very well. I, I think we, we have to be very careful that we don't pigeonhole everybody in to the same reason for why they're going the direction that they're going. But I can't really give you any stats or I'm, I'm just not sure I'm qualified to answer that. The stats that I have read, the vast majority that struggle with the gender issue are in the teenage years from junior high to about the college ages when they struggle with the transgender issue. And that's when kids are struggling. That's when the hormones are going wild and they're trying to identify, you know, who they are, what's my mission in life, all kinds of chemical changes are going on. And that's where a lot of the struggle is. What we're finding in the majority percent of the time from the medical and psychology magazines I'm reading, if you give them proper guidance, when they get to their mid, mid to late 20s, they kind of figure it out. You know, and most of them go in the right direction. But if in those teenage years, when they're struggling with their identity, if they're not receiving clear, solid biblical guidelines and truth from God's word, and they're receiving all kinds of confusing information, you feel like a girl? All right, let's, let's explore that area. I encourage you to go, well, they're just going to get more confused, you know? And so we see a lot who are struggling with, you know, their gender identity. It's in those uh, young teenage years. And I believe the statistic was 90%. If you give them good guidance, by the time they're in their mid to late 20s, a lot of them have finally figured it out and got comfortable in their physical sexuality. Also, what the statistics are showing now more and more and more, when we surgically change their gender, when we physically alter their gender, it doesn't decrease or improve their depression. The suicide rate is just as high. The issues that they had before they had their gender-altering surgeries are still the same. And we're seeing a lot of what's called transgender regret now. It's a growing and growing thing. We have discovered, you know, as Randy said in his presentation, male and female is not just changing the physical. I mean, men and women have different brain structures have different body chemistry, the size of the internal organs are different. You know, as doctors are saying, you just can't take down a whole body. You got to change it right down to the DNA, you know, and we're unable to do that, even if we change body parts and give you testosterone shots or 
uh, estrogen shots. You know, we're different right down to our DNA. So that's a little bit of, you know, statistics that we're seeing here. So the best kind of treatment is to give them proper guidance from God's word. And it seems like when they get through those struggles, they, most of them are going to figure it out. All right, here's another one. I believe that homosexuality is in the Bible, but is homosexuality more widespread now as our society is more accepting of it with laws to support it? It seems that the population of LGBT is growing. Why is that? I think you kind of answered, answered in your question, I think. Because it's more accepted, there's more individuals. I think you're seeing more people willing to come out and say that they're homosexual or lesbian because it is more accepted. They're not going to get the persecution. Now, whether or not there's actually uh, more happening, yeah, I think that too. I think there's, there's more being recruited into that lifestyle. As Pat said, even in their younger years, they're being kind of promoted to move in a certain direction because that's kind of the way I feel. And so, of course, I think you would see those kind of lifestyles growing exponentially because of those types of things in our society. When, when we start saying, hey, this is okay, and we go beyond that and saying, no, you need to explore this. It's not just okay that you're that way. It's a good thing. It's a great thing that you're that way. And you need to, to look into this because maybe that's what you should do. Then I think you're going to see that. Well, here's one from a teacher. I know one of my students is going down the road of homosexuality, and because I'm not able to talk to the student about the Lord, how can I witness to this student? Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm also uh, the wrestling coach at Molokai High School, and so um, I've dealt with students at that level in a public school setting for, gosh, over 20 years now. I would encourage you to look for an opportunity outside of your role as teacher and as a person working in the school, I don't know if there's a youth group opportunity. Uh, I do a, a high school Bible study with kids in my home on an evening of the week. And so I invite them. So now they're, it's off hours, so to speak. They're in my house. And I have an opportunity to talk to them and share with them on that level, not in a, on a professional basis as a coach. And so I would encourage you to look for an opportunity outside of your teaching parameters where maybe you had the opportunity to talk to them or get them in a place where someone could talk to them, a young life group, a youth group, those types of things. Yes, you know, and also, you know, as Randy was saying, if you see someone in a dangerous lifestyle, what's the most loving thing to do? You know, let them continue or somehow try to direct them in a more healthier lifestyle. And we know that the human body is not meant for, you know, homosexual activity. Let's be frank. I mean, the A cavity is a one-way street. Things go out. It's not meant for things to go in. And tremendous damage is done to the human body with that kind of activity. And we've got a high sexual transmitted disease rate in the gay community. I mean, it's a dangerous. Lifespans are shorter. You can reach out in love just explaining Perhaps it's a dangerous lifestyle kind of thing, approaching it perhaps that way. And then say, one of the things we want to do is get people into a healthy lifestyle. If you study physical anatomy, I mean, look at the body. It's not meant for that kind of homosexual sexual activity. You know, second of all, you know, when it comes to the transgender issue, 
to present the truth on truth. Truth is not what we create here, right? I read how many books now that says truth, we create truth. Truth is found in each individual. We create truth here and the world conforms to the truth that's in here. I think I got male parts, but I feel like a woman. Therefore, reality conforms to the truth I create in my mind. Well, that's not the proper view of truth. Truth is what corresponds to reality. It's outside of us, and I conform to it. And so we need to teach our kids, my physical body, it's male. I may not like it at this time in my life, all right, but I accept and conform to the reality right, that's outside me. I don't create it, and reality conforms to me. That's a very dangerous ideology. All right, that's where modern philosophy has gone wrong. And uh, that's why some of our kids get, you know, really messed up when they take modern philosophy here. All right, I think we've got time for one more, Randy. Is there a lo any local ministry that can help individuals regarding gender identity? Again, Pat, you're probably better answering that with regard to Honolulu, because here on Molokai, there, there isn't any specific ministry geared toward that uh, particular issue. Like I said, I personally have, have dealt with some of those issues as a pastor and a counselor. I know there are Christian counselors on Oahu. I don't know exactly uh, which ones would tackle those issues or if there's a specific ministry. So, Pat, I'll let you take that. Yes. We used to have local chapters of, called Hope International. There are uh, other organizations. I know um, if you go to Evidence and Answers, listen to my interview with uh, one of our guests, Taylor Mahi and Paul Weydig and others, they have local Hawaii ministries here that help people in the gay community transform their lives for Christ. But I think on, to add to that question, Randy, what can churches do to better improve outreach to those struggling with homosexuality or their sexual identity? Again, I, I know this maybe sounds simplistic, but just coming from, from a church background and being in a church now for 25 years, I think the very first thing that we need to do is have them in our church. They need to know that they're welcome. Now, I'm not talking about putting them in positions of leadership and, you know, becoming your worship leader and taking care of your children's ministry. I'm talking about letting them in the door and loving them and letting them know they're welcome. Anybody else, right? If, if we knew that someone was an adulterer, hey, wow, they need Jesus. Let's get them to church. We knew somebody was a, an extortionist. Man, get them to church. If we knew somebody was a, you know, a petty thief or whatever, we know that people have sin. And we say, man, come. And, and that's where these folks should be too. They should be at the, at the top of our list saying, man, we love you. God loves you. We can't let the secondary issue become the primary issue. They need Jesus. And once they have Jesus, once they understand that this God who gave them an opportunity for salvation designed me and has best plan for me, man, we can go all kinds of places with that. But if I automatically shut them out because of their lifestyle, because of, well, we don't want people like that in this church. Well, what kind of people do you want in the church? Because you're not going to get perfect people. So I guess at that point, you pick your sin. But we need to allow these folks into our doors and love on them and not, you know, feel like we have to walk uh, way around them. They should know this is a place uh, where we're happy that you're here, that God has a plan for you, and we want you to find that out.
Fantastic answer. A lot of the interviews I have on evidence and answers with those who have come out of the gay lifestyle or struggles with transgenderism, they all say that, you know, Randy, they say, you know, these Christians in this small group Bible study or whatever, they loved me as a person first. They didn't make my sin the issue. You know, I wasn't Taylor, the homosexual. I wasn't Jim, the ex-con. You know, I was just Jim. I was just Taylor. They accepted me for who I was. And then as I grew in our relationship together, our friendship grew, then we were able to start dealing with the sin issues in my life. And so, yeah, that's a great way, great answer, and great way to end our final session here. So, Randy, man, thanks for being here with us. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Oh, 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 oh,